Tiger Tales with Sean Kelly is presented by UF Health. UF Health has locations throughout Florida, including Gainesville, Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Leesburg, and the Villages, and we're growing. Compassionate care and world-class outcomes, that's our game plan. Visit ufhealth.org to learn more. Our podcast is also brought to you by Pet Paradise. Gator fans, for pet fanatics like you, there's only one place who goes all out for your pet the way you do. Boarding, grooming, day camp, and veterinary services all in one convenient location. Pet Paradise and New Day Veterinary Care. Finally, complete pet health care is here for Gator Nation. Good morning, Gator Nation, from my office here at the Swamp, and welcome to episode number 10 of Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. I'm Sean Kelly. Let me just start off at the top here by congratulating Gators Cross Country, who last week won the SEC Championship. So, if you're keeping count like me, that's 262 Southeastern Conference Championships now for the Florida Gators. Way to go. We'll hope to talk to somebody from the team here in the coming weeks on this podcast. This podcast in particular is a good mix. Of course, basketball season tips off next week for both the men and the women. In episode number nine, we got a season preview from head men's coach Todd Golden. This week, we get a preview of the women's team from head coach Kelly Ray Finley. I also have an interesting conversation this week with my engineer on the Gator Sports Network from Learfield. His name is Steve Egan. You don't really know him per se, but you know his work. You see, Steve is in charge of all the technical aspects of our broadcast, and he has been a part of Gator history over the last 20 plus years. So Steve Egan will be with us today and share not only about his job, but about his life and how he became a Gator and what it means to him. And from the football team, we get to know tight end Hayden Hansen from Weatherford, Texas. The redshirt sophomore now has two touchdowns here in this first year for him as a starter. He's got an interesting story. Of course, it's a position change, a school change, all kinds of changes for Hayden Hansen, who got a bit of a storybook experience earlier this year when he scored that first career touchdown as a Florida Gator. Speaking of football, the Gators are back home this weekend. It's the last SEC home game of the season, if you can believe that. A noon kickoff against Arkansas this Saturday is also the game that the Gators will salute those who serve. And the Gators will wear all black uniforms this weekend for the first time in their history. That's right, black, head to toe, accented, of course, by the orange and blue. Florida has four games left on their schedule, three of which are ranked 14 or better in this week's Associated Press Top 25 poll. So the challenge is steep for the Gators, but I think they're up for the challenge. So with that, let's get started, and let's begin on the women's basketball side. Here's our season preview with Kelly Ray Finley. Well, somehow, someway, I got Kelly Ray Finley to do the Gator Tales podcast because, coaches, you and I were just talking, pinning down a head coach, especially in basketball this time of year, good luck. It's not like you have enough hours in the day to do this. Oh, no, uh, it's a pleasure to do this. And, um, you know, Gator fans everywhere, we, we look forward to seeing you in the O-Dome this season. Do you still get that antsy 
start of the season feeling now at this point in your career that maybe you did even back when you were playing? Yeah, I think that that's something that, that never goes away. The opportunity to play somebody else is so fun. I mean, it's it's what you train for. And so it's it's great to see the excitement in our student athletes' eyes and in their demeanor and in their energy at the start of the season. Have you reached that point in training camp where they have to play somebody in a different color jersey <laughs> or they'll kill each other? Is that kind of where we are right now? Um, I don't know if kill each other but they you know they're excited to compete against somebody else for sure I think as coaches we're excited to kind of see where we're at as well against an opponent and so you know November 1st is coming up it's right around the corner how was the offseason and and has it translated into the fall portion of your schedule for sure. The, the offseason was tremendous. We had a huge buy-in from our student-athletes in terms of their commitment to doing what we've talked about is what's required to be an elite team. A lot of times people talk about, oh, it's the extra. You know, we're constrained by NCAA rules on hours, and our student-athletes are used to training a lot. <laughs> They're used to, you know, they love the game, and, and then they get here, and, and it's about finding a routine and, and a, a schedule that fits and suits them so that they can, t- can continue to grow and improve, but they've been extremely committed to their individual growth so that we can become a better basketball team, which has been fun to see. I feel like in just kind of following you guys over the summer and toward the fall, you put them through a lot of different experiences, maybe even non-basketball experiences to help foster some of those things you were talking about. Yeah, you know, our our housing situation changed, which has made our team a lot closer, learning how to look out for each other. You know, team cohesion is extremely important. You know, every statistic that you look at, you know, you can say it's not important, but that's just not the fact. And so, you know, the change in our housing has been tremendous. You know, them helping each other out in many different ways, whether it's a ride, you know, um, going to eat, doing different small things in their daily interactions has made a huge jump for us in that cohesion. Um, As well as things that we do together fun. You know, I I think the team went to... Itchituckney Springs, which is an awesome thing to do here. A little scary, maybe, but but nonetheless, very fun. There were swim lessons involved. Uh, is that what I understand? Yeah. So we had a group of our student athletes that put together um, what they're passionate about learning, uh, as we call it. It's a lifestyle down here, and so basketball is is a huge part of that. But it, again, it's only a part of it. And so we want our student athletes to be equipped with all the skills that they need to be successful in life beyond Florida the University and their four or five years here. And so yeah, they they had wanted to learn to swim, uh, and that was that was really cool to see. Very cool. All these things lead to chemistry, which, you know, you kind of alluded to in the team building process. What about leadership, coach? Where does your leadership come from with this particular group? It comes in a lot of different forms and different voices at different times. I think many times you look for one leader and then everybody follow. Uh, This team is unique in that they really have different strengths that they can play on, but they really complement each other well. So in a must-score situation versus uh, off-court, we need to go have a birthday celebration versus, hey, we need some accountability, all those voices might sound a little bit different. Okay. Just because they're different backgrounds or their personalities too? Uh, personalities, cohesion, um, who's earned the opportunity to lead and who's best suited for that moment um, and whatever that skill or, or, or task is required, right? And so 
think it's okay that it's not always just one person. I can't wait to see the mix and how this all kind of comes together on the floor. We've talked about off the floor a little bit. Coach, I couldn't help but think last year watching you guys play. I would see two particular young student athletes, one named Zippy Broughton, the other named Aaliyah Matharu, and I'm like, oh boy, wait till I get to see Kelly Ray's team with those two individuals. And now you'll get to see that here shortly. Yeah, they're exciting. Uh, they put, both play both ends of the floor. Uh, they're naturally very explosive, but they've worked hard on understanding the game, time, score, situation. Probably both of them have had to do more thinking on the court than they're used to in terms of game management. And then complemented with Alberta Remdahl, you know, where that comes maybe a little bit more natural to her. You got a lot of triple threats out there on the perimeter for sure. When it comes to, we'll talk about the newcomers in a second. When it comes to those coming back for another year in this program, who's made a big jump? How did player development help them in preparing for yet another season? I think, you know, many times, you know, in the off season, when student athletes do something for the first time and, and they're really looking to improve, it's like, oh man, I did it. Now, ah, big sigh. And, and the challenge for our group is how do we continue that throughout the course of the season? But in the off season, I think you'll see a huge improvement from Faith Dute just in terms of her reads on the court. Defensively, she's worked tirelessly to improve in that way. But she really is our quarterback on the defensive end of the floor. It makes everything so much easier for everybody. And then Shea Kyle um, has really improved improved in her just her overall conditioning the pace and the feel for the game and you know she's not exactly where she wants to be but she's continuing to grow in that every single day as well as being a low post threat for us and then you know like you said we'll get to the newcomers but Layla Reynolds has made some huge strides for us in the last couple weeks so we'd like to keep her on that trajectory for sure a highly titled recruit like her when they get on campus is it easier for a player of her caliber or is it because maybe she's had her way on the floor for so long that it's kind of a jolting moment too? <laughs> uh, Layla has a tremendously great head on her shoulders. She is calm, cool, confident. Uh, she's all the things that you want to have in a student athlete. She's well-connected. She's invested in our community and lifting others up. But I, I wouldn't say it's easier. I think that there's always learning that takes place, the speed and the pace of the game. Uh, there's some things that you know can give you a little bit of an advantage, but once you get out there, you know it's just the experience of seeing plays before the play is made and different things like that. Uh, there, there's a huge room for growth in that. You've got some Maybe I'm using the wrong word. Impact type transfers, or they could be impact for you. Salga's coming from Miami. Kindred's coming over from Texas A&M. I'm fascinated by the transfer portal. It's not like we've never had transfers in college basketball before, but I am curious as to their adaptation to, say, your program, or is there something that they bring with them that helps this group in particular? Can you identify any of those things? Yeah, for sure. I think Ernie and Lex bring a physicality that we really were lacking last year. We've really f tried to focus on that. Good thing we have a little bit more time. <laughs> um, but but they just have a strength and a physicality that they embrace um, that we really need on the court. And then Kenza, you know, she's an elite shooter. She has much more to her game, but just getting back on the court, you know, she was injured for for majority of her time there at Miami. And so getting her comfortable out there, um, but that brings a different look for us on the perimeter for sure. Who am I leaving out, Coach? Who's who's jumped out at you a little bit here in this month of October? Um, you know, I don't. I'm not sure that you've left anybody out, but Jariah Warren will look to have a, a tremendously different role for us this season. Her off season was was very good, but for her, it's um, it's just a confidence. We believe she can do 
she's an elite guard and and playing that three four position for us she's kind of hit her stride and found a comfort there but she's somebody who's always lifted our program up she's she's been invested and committed to her process never looking to her right or left and we're looking to see that pay off for her this season um and, and therefore help us a whole lot. Um, and then Leilani Correa, just coming back from injury, her consistency will be key for our our team and our success this season for sure. Coach, Gators fans love to slide to the front edge of their seat. A wow factor, if you will. Is there a wow factor in brewing with this group that perhaps you might be willing to share? Oh, I don't know about a wow factor. Um when you come to see us play, you're going to see a team that plays together, that celebrates each other uh, with a true joy and, and, and a competitive spirit. This team is extremely focused, extremely connected, and they play with a pace and a, and a fervor that is 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 fun to watch. But I don't know about a wow factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, just when I see a new mix like this, I'm I'm looking for that kind of sneaky surprise that, that might come out of a ball club. And, and it may take a little bit of time to develop. Actually, I'm going to turn the page in my notebook here because I started making some notes about the schedule. And then I just stopped because I said, okay, I'm going to leave the SEC out of it, which opens, by the way, <laughs> with South Carolina. That's right. All right. But the non-conference, and you're doing this to yourself again, because I remember last year too, Florida Southern to start, a little exhibition. And then it's like hit the gas. You've got the trip to the Bahamas. You've got the jump man, which will come up. You've got the ACC-SEC challenge with Georgia Tech involved. So I stopped writing, Coach, because this is a challenging schedule by design? Um, yeah, somewhat by design. And our program, we don't want to shy away from a challenge. If we want to do what we say we want to do, which is compete to be one of the elite teams in the country, you know, we got to challenge ourselves. And doing so early hopes to help us be more prepared come conference play. Is there a rhyme or reason to the variety of teams? Do they all present something that helps you get better? I'm thinking, you know, obviously, I didn't even mention there's Florida State, obviously, on the schedule, too. Florida State, Columbia, uh, Tulsa, at Tulsa. Yeah, I, there's no doubt that our schedule tournament teams. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's where we hope to be. You know, we have a practice squad that is extremely helpful helpful in helping us prepare and we went out and scrimmaged the other day and the the feedback was whoa that that was much easier than than practice so that's your goal I think as a coach is to make them uh our student athletes feel that way give us a little bit of confidence but yeah everybody plays a little bit of a different style of basketball once we hit conference pretty much everybody plays very similarly maybe minus one or two teams that then they play very similarly but the speed and the physicality is something we're going to have to be prepared for early on Let's talk about your staff real quick. You made some changes. Let me just start with the fact that there's a WNBA star now on the practice floor every day. How have the girls responded to to Ryan Howard's presence? Uh, I think they enjoy having her here. You know, it was important for me that and our staff that we surround our student athletes with people who are doing what they aspire to do. And and Ryan most definitely is living that every day. And you know what she brings to us on the court is is elite. You know, in helping develop her leadership skills, her voice, um, and commanding a group. And and so it's invaluable to us uh, the way that she can say what she says can be just a little bit different than me. Uh, I, and you don't want any cookie cutters on your staff. And so I think that they uh, respect Ryan and, um, you know, they, they want to be living, you know, in her shoes mm-hmm. someday. And not, not that they want to be her, but I think Ryan has been a valuable asset to us as a, as a humble person, as somebody who carries herself in a way that is admirable and that our student athletes should look to follow. 
What else did you change on your staff, Coach? Uh, Tamisha Augustin. We, we have a, a lot of um, continuity from last year, um, but Tamisha Augustin has been elevated to associate head coach. You know, there's no doubt that her voice is heard in practice and, and just in our program. Her ability to challenge our student-athletes in a positive, honest, and direct way really makes us better. And then the addition of Dan Boyce uh, as an assistant coach, he, he has an elite level of detail and, and has pretty much worked in every job on staff. So just his versatility, his demeanor and rapport with our student athletes, and then the cohesion of our staff is just as important to me as it is the cohesion of our team. And when we talk about our team, it is no doubt all of us. You know, we're all Florida women's basketball, and that includes our fans. And, and so, you know, we think a lot about how do you want to be treated uh, in your lowest moments? Well, that's how you want to treat each other. Can you embrace a challenging, positive environment? What does that look like with honesty and accountability? And, and I think that our staff is in a, in a really good position to help elevate this program right now. I love it. Last thing, I'm looking over your shoulder here in your office, and there's a picture of you from your 21-22 season SEC Coach of the Year. And I look at that picture, and now I'm sitting here with you, and I wonder a little bit, Coach, how different are you from when that picture was taken to now? Um, I, I wouldn't say too too different, I think. You know, there's been quite a few changes since then with NIL and different uh, rules and, and such. And so most notably, you know, the landscape is a little bit different of college basketball. But who I am, no, that's the same. It's the same. Yeah, I think I um, had a friend from high school tell me the other day, you know, you you were the same when you were in high school as you are today. And that's one thing that's always been consistent. And um, it feels good to, to know that you can do this. And, and at the end of the day, it's a job that impacts people. And, and the goal is to elevate the people around you, to humbly lead and serve those that you spend your days with and, and hopefully create great positive experiences. I'll let you get back to um, getting ready for a season. But can we do this again soon? Yeah. Thank you, Sean. I'm not so sure most people know what Steve Egan's role is with the Florida Gators, but they know his work. That is for sure. Steve Egan is the engineer, the chief engineer for the Gator Sports Radio Network, primarily football and men's basketball, but that's only a part of the equation. Steve, how many years for you in that role as chief engineer of the Gator Sports Network? Uh, this is my 13th year in that role, but uh, I did 16 years previously in studio as the uh, studio host and ran the board for, for those first 16 years from 1990 to 2007. I could probably do a very good description of what your job is, but I think it'll sound better from an actual engineer to let our fans know what that is or what this job entails. Well, basically, it's just setting up uh, all the equipment to basically rebuilding a radio station, if you will, on, on site, uh, either football, basketball, even baseball or whatever sport we're, we're doing, and then making sure everything sounds good and just basically making sure everybody's in their place and everybody sounds just make sure everything sounds uh, as, as good as it can. How many pieces of equipment? equipment would you say that entails let's start with football steve well football is a massive undertaking you've got you know six people on the air you've got all sorts of other things going on so i don't know um i, I know there's five giant boxes <laughs> that i take with me on the road uh, and have to push around all over the country so uh, i don't know the exact number but uh, they're all big and they're all heavy your broadcast career is on air and off air but yeah. at what point did you kind of become a master of the craft of the um 
execution of the broadcast, as you said, kind of setting up a mini radio station yeah. on a different sites all over the country? Uh, I guess, you know, when I left uh, Florida the first time and I went to work for the Atlanta Braves and in, in, in their role as their their engineer, I really got proficient at, at that job because there was, as you know, baseball, there's so many games, over 200 games a year, just about. And so you have to get good and you have to be able to work quickly. Uh, so I just, I just over time, you know, you just learn all the different tricks of the trade and you just, you know, you, you just have to focus on it and you just have to work the equipment and then you just get to know all the people you work with too and what they want what they like and how they like things and how maintenance are play-by-play announcers you don't have to answer this if you don't want to <laughs> uh they're varying degrees put it that way yeah you've got your really easy guys like yourself and you've got uh your more um particular guys <laughs> yeah good word for it but i like that but it's, but it's been an honor to work with every one of them to tell you that you and mick huber presided probably over some of the greatest moments in gator sports history uh to have a front row seat like that to be a part of those broadcasts steve what did you take away most from those memorable moments oh j- just the excitement and just uh, watching uh, where this program started when coach Spurrier started in 1990 to today and then all, all all through that time you know we went through that that incredible those incredible years of winning, you know, you just felt like every year you're going to win a national championship, either football and then basketball. And it just, you know, we had the, the Gator three-peat thing. And it was just an amazing time to to actually be there and be part of history. You see, you know, every step of the way from not being very good to being the best in the country. It just, it just was amazing. The, the the setup that you did for those, those massive events, those huge wins uh, and accomplishments for the Gators, did you feel any added pressure in those moments? Because whether you realize it at the time or or not, um, you had a big role in preserving history, if you will. Yeah, and I always told Nick we we were basically the uh, we're, we're the history of the he was the history of the game. His voice will will resound in those games forever. You know, we continue to play those those clips and those cuts, and you know, you just feel like you want it to sound the best you can, but you also get caught up in the moment at the same time. You have to. It's okay for them to be excited, but I, you know, I always had to make sure I reserved myself, make sure I was focused on making everything sound well without being getting caught up in the game and getting excited, which is almost impossible to do. Yeah. And and I'm sure along the way that none of it was very smooth. There had to be some particular challenges to final fours and, and, oh, national, final fours championships. and national championships, yeah. even going back to Dorian's got a touchdown. If you listen to that cut, how loud that was and how, you know, you know, just out of control everybody was at that time and you're just trying to you're just trying to manage all the different sounds that are going in, in, in through your your mixer and it's trying to make sure it all comes out cleanly and you know just and you know some of those moments as you know been doing this for as long as you have they, they come out of nowhere every once in a while you know the, you know you, you could be calm 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 and then all of a sudden bang you know and so the the noise level just cranks up to 11 Radio's been around for over a hundred years, Steve, but at the yep. same time, we know that technology changes. What would be some significant <laughs> technological changes from when you first started doing this job to here in t- 2023? Well, we first did it. We were doing it on phone lines. You know, we had a, <laughs> the, the, the two phone lines you had to couple together and then, and then, and get that, and get that to work. Then we moved into the, to the ISDN era. And then we, now we moved into everything's done over the internet. Everything's internet connection. So it's gotten easier. And I think the technology has gotten better and everything has gotten a little smaller too. We used to actually have more equipment than we had now because you had to do so many other things just to get the thing on, just to get the broadcast on the air. So it's been amazing transition to see how things have gone from over the last 30 years that we've done this. What's 
what's the worst place you had to figure all this out? <laughs> uh, there's a number of uh, venues that are very uh, more difficult than than others. Um, you know, the final fours uh, were always a little difficult because there's so many things going on, and then you're in so many different places. It's all temporary, built, you know, seating and stuff. You know, so you, you know, you've got to run all sorts of different lines uh, everywhere. There's a number of SEC stadiums that are a little trickier <laughs> than others that we play in that uh, provide uh, different challenges, where they only give you maybe one, uh, you know, electrical outlet to use, <laughs> and you have to strand string together, you know, power strips all over all over the booth to, to make it work. Steve's also the engineer for Gator Talk. So he's he has been a part of coaches shows for decades <laughs> now too. Yeah. Steve Egan, when you think of some of the personalities that you've uh, that you've broadcast, I guess, what were some of the more particular fun moments over the years? Oh, Coach Spurrier's ones were were legendary at times, you know. You, you go back to the comment about uh, Tennessee, you know, you can't spell citrus bowl without you saying UT, you know, and they, you know, so I mean, that's a, that's a classic. And you had a, a number of others. Uh, Billy Donovan's uh, were always great because he was so engaging with uh, the, the fans and it just, he could just take a question and just take it for 20, 30 minutes without, you know, without taking a break. So he was always fun to do. Uh, Hold so, on a moment on that. Didn't Billy Donovan do his coaches shows from fraternity and sorority houses? The first few years uh, he would do it from frat houses, sorority houses, yeah, and though there you're talking about challenging places, trying to find active phone lines in some of these frat houses, you know, where we're, they're stealing phone lines on their own at the time from other frat houses, and you know, just having to make it make it work. But yeah, for the first uh, year or two, he w- we would do the shows from from Fraternity Row, and uh, those were kind of fun because Billy Billy loved that at the time, just to get out and be you know part of part of the community. Is there an event that you haven't been able to uh, engineer a broadcast from that's still on your list? As, uh, in college or just in general any because, any sporting event no I, I pretty much done them all i think uh, i've done the olympics i've done the world series i've done super bowls i've done you know national championships in college uh, i guess maybe the, the masters <laughs> i guess would be the one that I, i'd always like to do something at, at augusta that would be cool that would be just fine and the chairman yeah. is a gator so maybe <laughs> we can get a right. gator to work for a gator <laughs> Speaking of being a Gator, Steve, I'm, I'm, I always like to ask folks this. I, I'm going to assume here you came to the Gators and the Gator Sports Network. It was a job. Um, yeah. You took a job as the engineer. When did you become a Gator, though? You became, a, you know, you took the job, but when do you feel like you became a Gator? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, it was such a weird start to, to, to how we even got to this point, but uh, I think it was... 94 maybe when uh, when they got to their first final four when when we bought beat Boston College in Miami and I didn't just the tears came down my face that day more than than any because I just never I never ever pictured us ever getting to a final four and that we'd always talk about always dreamed about it you know at that point up until then uh, you know NITs were great you know getting to that but to get into the tournament and, and then finally we we broke through and got first to beat UConn in that incredible game that you know before that and then we go to Miami beat Boston College and, and go to the final four I just I mean just the emotions of that day just I, I still remember that all these years later Steve Egan is also an accomplished triathlete how many <laughs> engineers in our business are also accomplished triathletes Steve is it party of one Steve Egan <laughs> I think so I haven't I haven't met many others or any others I don't think at least in the SEC anyway uh, I haven't talked to found out from anybody else but uh, the guys in the SEC they do other things but they, they don't do it and they don't do it to the as as crazily as I do <laughs> do these things how many triathlons do you compete in a year? 
uh, usually 20 to some, 20 some. It's been 24 this year. Been 228 total. Uh, 228 total. 228, yeah. And how many championships? Uh, well, six this year, including two state championships. Um, so I don't, I'm, I'm not sure of the number total, but double digits. It's amazing. You so find joy in this, obviously. Yeah, it's exciting. It's fun. Yeah, I still get to feel like uh, some kind of an athlete at this age, even. So, you know, it's just... I think just that point, and you know, it all started, you know, with me having to lose a ton of weight first to to get to this point, and that's how I continued. That's why I continue to do these because it's a way to maintain my weight as as well as and, and do something that I enjoy. It's a pretty good combination. Yeah, because uh, you know you can just go to the gym and work out, but you can always talk yourself out of going to the gym if there's nothing to work for. You know, this way I have you know dates on the calendar I have to focus on and get ready for. So this motivates you to get get out and and move and do things. Does being around um, student athletes, the fact that you're engineering broadcasts of competitions, does that in some way play a role in your career as a triathlete as well? Uh, yeah, because again, it just makes you feel. Like, uh, you know, you, you want, you know, you watch them compete, you want to compete, you want to, you know, just gives you, if you got that in you, you want to, you want to continue to do that, you know, it, as long as I can, at least anyway, I mean, most people at this age stop doing that kind of stuff, but uh, I can, I just continue to ramp it up more and more. So, uh, you know, I played baseball in college and so, and I still get that itch. And so, you know, you, you just feel like you want to be around it, you want to be part of it. And then when you get to do these races and get to do these events, uh, you, you, you still feel a little bit of that, uh, even though you're not as good as, you know, the, the top level guys but you for your age group you're doing okay you know well i just wanted people to get to know you a little bit because everybody knows your work steve but they <laughs> didn't necessarily know you so i hope that they know you a little bit better today well, i appreciate that sean thank you Hayden Hansen, tight end, Florida Gators from Weatherford, Texas. Where is Weatherford, Texas? So the, what I tell people is DFW. I mean, we're really not a part of Dallas. We're closer to Fort Worth, about 30 minutes from there. But I, I kind of claim Fort Worth because, I mean, growing up, we'd always watch TCU play. We'd go to the stock cars to have fun. So I tell people I just say Fort Worth. Okay. So, but how big is Weatherford itself? Uh, it's a pretty big school. I mean, we were 6A, so we played the biggest classification for Texas football. Um, I'd say about 30, 20, 20 30,000 people. Can you, be a, can you be a cowboy? Can you wear hats and boots if you're living in a suburb? Or is Weatherford a little more rural, maybe? I don't know. So, it's a little bit of both that I really like. It has a small town feel, but it's a pretty big town, to be honest with you. But, uh, where I grew up, I grew up in the country. Um, I, we had, we're on some acres. We have a ranch about an hour away from Weatherford, too, with cows and stuff. So kind of growing up like that kind of helped me with like my work ethic in sports. So When I was your age, that's when I first started learning about Texas high school football. Did Weatherford have a season ticket holder waiting list for high school football games? Um, they did for one year. Um, you know Ken Seals, the quarterback of Vanderbilt? His senior year, we were pretty popular because we were winning a lot of games. And then the next year, we didn't have a waiting list, but we had them sold out. We did pretty good in District 2. We only lost one game, had a home field advantage, but uh, couldn't win the first round. So, Yeah, my roommate in college was from Plano. And I, I had no concept of you know season ticket holders and that their games were on the radio every week. And I was like, I, this is not the high school football I grew up with. <laughs> Um, what, what do you take away most from your high school football playing days? 
Um, I mean, just the the moving. We moved from one high school to another. So going into Weatherford my junior year was um, I was pretty anxious, you know. But the the culture, the coaching staff surrounding me. Um, right when I stepped in, I noticed the difference. We had scouts at almost every practice. Um, we actually had like fans that would come to our practice that weren't parents. So that was pretty cool too, you know. So I mean, that was probably my, my biggest takeaway is just kind of the brotherhood and the people that. Um, we were like a role model to me, like Ken and other people like that. So, yeah, I just want to make sure that not everybody thinks that varsity blues is what it always is like, right? I mean, help me out. Yeah, I mean, it's not always like that. Um, I mean, back at Weatherford, how we did it was, I mean, we had an indoor too, and uh, I think a lot of people were saying it's bigger than Miami's. So, um, you had an indoor practice facility for your high school. Yes, sir, we did. It was about 60 yards. Um, we had the fans and everything, the goalposts. Uh, it's a lot like the one at Florida here. It's a little bigger here, but uh, yeah, so we were definitely blessed. There was a lot of money. We had a practice field, too. Uh, we had a full turf field right behind it, and then we drove to our stadium. It was by the town square. So Just when I thought we were making this sound normal, you throw that out there. You know, here's the other thing that I learned about you is that you were a quarterback, now I'm trying to trying to picture a six foot six, like nearly three hundred pound quarterback. Yes, sir. Yeah. So the sophomore year was basically my last year playing a full season of quarterback. I was about six four, two fifteen. So I was still the ideal frame a little bit. Then going into junior year, I hit it my growth spur. I was about six six, two thirty five, two forty, and then that's when I I eventually moved to Weatherford to take over after Ken Seals went to Vanderbilt. And then we had some college scouts in there like OU and stuff, and they'd be like, "Have you ever tried tight end? Ever thought about it?" I was like, "No, I've always." been a quarterback you know and uh, about one week before we started our junior season I made the switch right off the bat and then noticed a huge jump in recruitment so I figured it was the right decision. So where did the recruitment trail take you at that point because I know there's a couple of twists and turns in here somewhere. Yeah so um, COVID hit you know junior year which was uh, limited a lot so the first camp I actually had a chance to go to as a tight end was the SMU mega camp and that's where um, Napier was still at UL at the time and coach Desimo the current head coach was the tight ends coach at the time and he was there. They weren't even looking for a tight end, but he just saw me and took a video of me, sent it to Napier. He was like, we got to get this guy in person. So I went up for a private workout. They watched the tape, ended up offering me the same day. I left, and then about two months later, I committed to him at UL, and then the rest is history. You didn't think you'd be in Gainesville, Florida, did you? <laughs> Not a chance. Um, I mean, I was – I was pretty locked in on UL, and when he left, he didn't text me right away, so I figured, I was like, okay, maybe he won't take me. They might already have tied in, so I was ready to go to other places like Washington State or Colorado, and then uh, he texted me on Christmas Day. It was like a perfect Christmas present. He texted me, let him know that he was going to recruit me again, so I was pretty hyped. So much for a day off for Coach Napier, I guess. Your sister, uh, your little sister, correct? Yeah. She's six foot three. Little, yeah, little sister, yeah. yeah. Not so little, but... Younger sister is six foot three. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. She's a she's a stud, man. I mean, she's the real athlete in the family. She's a she played volleyball at Texas Tech, starting as a true freshman. She's all conference freshman. Um, I mean, I could say I could say a lot about her. I mean, she's a middle. Um, she played select at TAV, which stands for Texas Advantage Volleyball. She she traveled the world playing it. She she grinded her butt off, and it paid off for. Her. What do you think is better, Lubbock or Gainesville? Oh, Gainesville, easily. Uh, there's not much in Lubbock. I mean, she'll tell you that, too. I mean, she went there. She went there. She wanted to stay closer to home, so she stayed at Tech. She was committed to TCU, kind of same thing with me, coaching change, and she went to Tech. So. All right, you're 6'6", six, six, she's 6'3". Six, well, how big's dad then? See, people get surprised by this. My dad's only 6'2", and my mom's 6'1", so I don't know where the spike came from, but it's somewhere down the bloodline. So. It's a good eating in Weatherford, Texas. <laughs> Speaking of mom and dad, were, did they get a chance to see you score your first touchdown as a Gator earlier this year? Yes, sir, they did. It was it was, it was magical, man. Um, I, I found him in the bleachers because I caught it right before halftime. So I was walking back out, I was looking for him. I saw the 89 jersey, and we had a little moment there. And it was it was really good, man, because they sacrificed a lot for me and my sister. I mean, moving to schools to get us to a bigger platform. And they just did so much just for them to be there for that moment, really.
really was awesome. Now you got two touchdowns, so I guess we're just going to start counting multiple touchdowns for you as you progress, right? <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, that's the thing. I always joke around with our list. I'm like, I got two and a half touchdowns. I caught one from Trevor at two points. So, um, yeah, we joke around a lot. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a blessing getting in the end zone. So, Are you a flip the ball to the official and move on kind of guy, or is there something now that you, you might do that I would recognize in the broadcast booth? Yeah, so I mean the bow and arrow I hit against Kentucky is what I like to do, but against Georgia I was like I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna celebrate, you know we're down the game's about to be over I'm not gonna make a fool of myself, but if we're ever up in the game I'll I'll do that will be my signature thing. The bow and arrow, yes, which you've stolen from who? I stole, oh, actually I did steal it from Alex Pierre, um, UFC right before he fought Adesanya for the belt. He walked out of the tunnel doing his fighter walkout, pointed it at him, shot it, went in there second round knockout. So. You like the MMA stuff? I love it. I love UFC. I can't. I can't watch it. You can't. No, Hayden. I mean, I can't watch a grown man try and dislocate another guy's elbow. That just. I just can't get into it. Why? I don't know. It was awesome. It was watching John Jones and there's two beasts. You know, heavyweight. You never know what you're gonna get. They can take it to the ground, keep it on the feet. I don't know. I feel like it. It's definitely an art. I have tons of respect for those guys. You got to be a different breed to do that. So. Yeah, you're not kidding. I mean, the, the old phrase. You know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth like that. Would you ever try it yourself? <laughs> or have you tried it? Maybe I'm presuming that you've never done it. Uh, no, sir. I haven't tried it, but I've always figured after, whenever my football career ends, I might get into kickboxing. You just learn how to do it. I'm not ever going to fight, but like sparring would be cool just to stay in shape. But uh, never, never full-blown, though. That's true. David West, a former NBA basketball player, his hobby, quote-unquote, was boxing. And so that made him kind of a feared man in the NBA. Maybe if word gets out, Hayden, that you're a, an MMA guy, that's a psychological advantage for you as a tight end. Hey, I mean, if that, if that works, I'll take it. It, you know um, I just feel like a lot of feel like a lot of guys like it and enjoy it but I'm kind of obsessed with it you know I watch every card and stuff it's just a, it's a good way to pass time and get away from football for a little bit but stay in the sports world all right redshirt freshman is a player second year academically what are we studying right now we are studying it's a branch of journalism called media and society it's going into like the ESPN broadcasting um it's kind of the art behind it you know so I'm enjoying it I might know a person or two that could help you down the road I'm sure you do I know you're well connected to this so. Hayden, thanks. Good luck the rest of the way. Appreciate you, man. Well, that'll do it for episode number 10 of Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. Special thanks to my guests, of course, Kelly Ray Finley, Steve Egan, and Hayden Hansen. And a big thanks to our presenting sponsor, UF Health, and also our sponsor, Pet Paradise. We kindly ask that you support those who support us. We'd love to hear from you. Please kindly leave a review if you don't mind. Your feedback also welcome on my X account, at Sean Kelly Live. Same handle for Instagram as well. And, of course, you can hit the subscribe button to make sure that just about every Tuesday you've got the latest edition of this podcast. If you're going to the football game this weekend, don't forget where black kickoff is at noon. And then we have just one final home game left. That's, of course, when Florida State comes to town later in the month of November. Basketball starts next week. We'll see you all the way along the Gator Sports Network from Learfield, and we'll continue to cover all those fall sports wrapping up their seasons here over the next 30 or so days. Until next time, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while, and go Gators.